Lingard is joining in, and he's seen Martinelli! Extraordinary! Set it for Saliba! For Kyle Saka, beaten out by the roof, and touched in by Jesus! Kyle Saka! Hello and welcome back to the Bruised Banana FC Match Review Podcast, where we get to talk about the obviously very, very happy 1-0 loss of Arsenal versus Nottingham Forest today. A game which sealed the Premier League title for City, um, something that I guess we've probably known has been coming for a while, but you know the, the factual, the stats are there now. Um, uh, I am joined in my circle of misery by Drew. You can find a Twitter at MixKidRemix. Uh, how are you, Drew? Uh, I mean, I'm part of the circle of misery, so that kind of sounds yeah, good. Yeah, fair dues, fair dues. <laughs> and masochist number three is Ben. You can find on Twitter at Ben Browning Free. How are you, Ben? Yeah, um, I think we're all in pretty much the same boat, you know. Um, it's, it was hoping that we'd delay the inevitable, but here we are. We'd have to talk about it sometime or another, wouldn't we? So let's get yeah. it out of the way. <laughs> yeah, it's just... Uh, I'll start with you, Drew. Um you know, fair play to you if you're listening to this, by the way, as well, because you're obviously masochist as well, because this is not um, kind of a nice time. It's it's not that it's been, and, and I feel like you want to kind of get the right perspective on times like this, right? Because we've had a great season, our first 80 plus point season since um, like 2007, 2008, I think I'm right in saying. To finish second, we got Champions League, which is what we wanted at the start of the system, systems, uh, to start of the league campaign. I think that it's just one of those things, isn't it, where we did so well. And while I think it's completely understandable that we didn't maintain the level we had in the first half of the season, because that was an unbelievable point. I think it was the, the highest points tally we had at that point of the season of all time. So, you know, it's 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 understandable that we come down a bit from that. But it just feels like, you know, since around March, the, the level has really dropped. And obviously you can blame a lot of things for that. There's, there's players coming out of the team, like obviously Saliba, it's a massive drop off. Whoever plays there, it's a massive drop off from Saliba. But it just, you know, we need to have more answers, don't we? Um, Drew, give me, but firstly, before we talk about the season as a whole, give me just your reaction to the game. How, how did you find it? Depressing. There's <laughs> um, <laughs> not really uh, another word to describe it depressing. It's, just, it's, a, it's a weird one. Um, I had put into, I think I put it into the, to one of the one of our chats and said this is the first time that Forrest kept a clean sheet in the last 16 home matches at city ground and i kind of just shook my head and said you know well of course um <laughs> and it's, it's tricky because you, you never want to go um to the home ground of a side that's fighting against relegation uh, and also you know Forrest came into this in better form than we were in uh if you look on the, the recent points total so it was never going to be necessarily easy but still like if, you know if you're sitting in second and you know, obviously, none of us thought we would magically that City would magically slip up and still not win the title. So, but even still, look at our position in the table, how we've played for the bulk of the season. Everyone would expect us to go away and win today, and it's just difficult because it's not like we can we can say that you know we actually put forth a good performance and we were just you know outperformed. That was not the case. I think we just never even arrived. I I can't remember a single moment. Uh, through 90 minutes, maybe one or two passages of play where I thought we would get something, maybe one of those early chances from the Jesus, perhaps. But apart from that, I can't look back and think, you know, yeah, we were going to win. And that became eerily present to me just after Aronini's goal, where 
how we responded to that and how we came kind of came into um, the second half right, right, right after the break. It's just, it just doesn't seem like the players are up for it. And that's not me trying to assume what their mood was and what the team talk was or how our Teta is today. It's just, we just weren't there. I think that's, that's pretty clean and obvious to, to deduce. And it's just for me, I think that's kind of the frustrating aspect of it because it just feels like once we surrendered that lead, you know, apart from kind of that really good bounce back performance against Newcastle, I, I don't think the players believe that we had a chance still. And when that kind of happens, even if you don't go on and win the title, you still want to give yourself the best possible chance because you never know what's going to happen, right? Football, football's tricky that way. Anything is possible. For all we know, Sadiq lose their next three matches. Not that I'm saying that they're going to, but anything is, is, is possible. You have to always be prepared for that. I just don't think the players were there for that. And f- for me, that's frustrating. Um, also, like, kind of briefly before, you know, we get some of Ben's thoughts, I just, like, kind of same thing. If, if you look at the form sheet, you know, Forrest are fighting for their lives, and their form has been pretty solid of late. I don't think today was the day to try some interesting things with the, with the back four. I do think something maybe had to be tweaked. But I don't know if the solution was QVR left back and Partey at right back. <laughs> That's just, I don't know. And also, I think a lot of people moving beyond that, I think a lot of people, justifiably, right or wrong, um, are going to look to, again, maybe, you know, Jesus, Saka, and Odegaard. Neither of those three were particularly good today. Um, a lot of the tactical decisions that were made to kind of, and I tweeted about it, kind of, we were really forcing our play down that right-hand channel and down that right-half right, right, uh, right space because Zinchenko wasn't in the 11. And then Kivior, even though he might be pretty good on the ball as a center-back, it's not the same as playing as an inverted left-back in that Zinchenko role. It just seems like we, we were forcing play away from him because we didn't necessarily trust him in that role yet, and rightfully so, because he's only appeared for us four or five times across the season. So why kind of would you put your faith in him in that role? And that also isolated Trussard in a lot of ways. Xhaka uh, wasn't involved in you know, as much as you would like to see uh, when he's performed well. So it's just, I think, just across the board and all f- phases of play, I-, I can't look at any performance and think that any- anyone singularly performed well. And obviously, when that happens, collectively, you don't perform well. It's just, yeah, it's, it's just disappointing. Yeah, and like further on, to be fair, from the stat that you said that they haven't kept a clean sheet since that point, they also, in their last time game, considered three goals to Southampton. So this isn't a team that... Um, is I mean as as good as they are at home and you know they have picked up the heavy majority of their points at home they've been quite bad away that they, they, they are leaky like these this is a team that concedes a lot of goals and we didn't test them we just didn't test them at all it felt like a, like a training ground game it felt like it felt like we rocked up at preseason and said we're going to do a training ground game and you're going to che- um, test out your deep block against us and see if we can score against you and, and there was no real impetus there was no real creativity or ideas. There wasn't any chances. Like, I, I haven't looked at the XG. I'll try and like get it up before the end of the pod, but we didn't create anything. Like there was no real chances for us to score that I that I thought would have been like like if you miss a few chances, then sometimes you can say, oh, you know, we just weren't clinical today, but we didn't create anything. Like Navas wasn't tested. So, so so two things. One, I think only two other teams have surrendered more goals across the season than Forest of Leeds and Bournemouth. Uh, so there's that, and then I think the XG was roughly about 0.6 for us. Doesn't mean that Forest had a better. I think theirs was around 0.55. So we didn't give them a ton, but that's not that's kind of not even really the point. It's like that that old story we've seen time and time again in previous seasons, where the opposition gets that one chance, they take it, and we just couldn't create anything um, against a team that was sitting low. You know, we, we lacked a lot of creativity there for whatever reason. I subscribe that to. We didn't create a single big chance across 
uh, across the whole 90 minutes. I think we completed 650 passes and the possession was, we had 80% of the ball. So if you have 8% of the ball and you don't create a single big chance and your XG is only 0.6, like that's just, yeah, that kind of just babbles my mind a little bit. Yeah, it felt desperate as well, to be honest, where like a lot of what's been good about our play this season has been that we've rotated, we've been fluid, players kind of come out of their space and cover other people's space. And that kind of movement, a lot of the time kind of creates uncertainty in every team. Let's just kind of get the, the space we need to create chances. But today it just, it felt almost, it felt very forced, it felt desperate. It didn't feel like there was really a structure behind it to facilitate it. There was points where I was seeing, like like in the first kind of 10 minutes you're seeing party kind of try to do that Zinchenko role from right back and then after that 10 minute spell he didn't do it at all pretty much and then i was seeing trossard coming in from uh, left wing to kind of to literally sit on the same line as Jorginho and things like that it just it all just felt like it was it was desperate and messy and they just it wasn't the quality there um ben uh this is going to be a tough question and i realize that this is a very very loaded question um <laughs> you might be you might know what I'm gonna ask you from me just be saying that. Um I think we have to obviously the way you improve is you look in the mirror. You have to kind of look at what you've done really well, which I think we can look at a lot this season. You can always look at what we've done badly. In the last like since March, right, we have dropped points against um four of the current bottom six. Over the course of the season, we've dropped five out of six points against Southampton or rock bottom of the table. Have we bottled it? We also dropped uh, four to Everton, I think. Um, but yeah, we dropped. I, I'll tell you actually, I've got it here. Um, well, we got we got four out of six against West Ham. We got four out of six against. Uh, we got um, three out of six against Forest. We got four uh, three out of six against Everton. We got six out of six against Leeds. Six out of six to Leicester, and then one out of six against Southampton. Yeah. Um... Have we bottled it? It's hard to say because if you know if we'd taken four out of six against Southampton, no, if wasn't maybe, but like that draw um, right it's at the beginning mind. of the season was so. I don't know if you remember it, the Lianco game. Oh, um, I do. Yeah, like yeah. there's there such fine margins that you could say, you know, we should we could have been further ahead. You know, we might have had more margin for error, but we were probably due a spell like this. Like we had our like. Um, the best way to put it. We had our, our summer spell, I suppose, uh, to go to Game of Thrones references. We had our long summer during sort of August to February, where we were winning well, games. This to... is the red. This is the red wedding. <laughs> Not quite, but it's, it's winter is coming. You know, they've just discovered the White Walkers or whatever. But um, it feels it feels like we won a lot of games that we maybe didn't deserve to win, or we the rubber the green went our way in some mm. games, and then. You know, in other games this season, it hasn't gone our way. Um, and they've been clustered towards the back. And maybe the pressure did get to this team. You know, we got to them last season as well. Um, I think we've spoken before about whether there's a mentality issue with this with this side. Um, maybe it was just a case of not having enough players to do the jobs when we lost Saliba. You know, there's no denying that the drop-in form coincided with... Or, sorry, the drop-in results. That's Harry form, but the drop-in results coincided with him not being there. Um, and then obviously today we had no Zinchenko, we had no Martinelli. We don't have a squad built for being able to relentlessly churn out three points after three points. We just don't have the personnel or the profiles to do it. And so when we lose a player, it obviously affects us a lot more than it has affected other teams. 
Um, and that's not to say we've been particularly unlucky with injuries. We haven't. It's just that Manchester City have a much deeper squad and have been luckier than us with injuries. Um, so, you know, they have, I don't think they've dropped a point since February, have they? Since, since Nottingham Forest, ironically, I think. Yeah, yeah, um, that, is that is it. So, yeah, I don't, it's going to, a lot of people will say we'll bottle it and you can, I think you can level that accusation, but in my opinion, it always felt like it was going to be a long shot to keep it up. It was how far ahead we could get by the time, you know, we started having these sorts of performances and dropping points because in my mind, they were always coming. It was just, could we be 12 points ahead, 14 points ahead when we started wobbling? And I know I said to you after the Anfield draw, you know, I think that's the title gone and we were, what, six games away, uh, mm. six games out. So, like, I don't think we've bottled it. I think we've seen a very young squad burnout, you know. They've, they've rode the wave for most of the season. It sort of dropped a bit. They burnt out, you know. We had some injuries and some some things haven't gone our way. So, May, you know, I think maybe more senior players, more experienced winners. You know, this is where I have to say um, I agree with Gary Neville in this tiny, tiny part, not for most of the rest of it, but the tiny part, I think maybe more experienced winners would find a way, like by hook or by crook, whereas we've kept trying to do the same thing. And I think that's on Arteta as much as it's on the players. You know, I think they're, they're equally inexperienced. So there's definitely a learning curve to be had there, but it did feel like we didn't like a lot of factors conspired to bring us back down to maybe where we should be because we're not. A, this isn't a squad that's capable of getting a hundred points. If if this squad got a hundred points, and you you know if you said at the start of the season this squad's getting hundred points and Rob Holding's playing six games, or you know Kieran Tierney's playing <laughs> ten games as an inverted left back, you know you'd be you'd be wondering whether you, you can have whatever I'm smoking. So I think that we've got to think about it that way as much as anything else. Yes, it's disappointing and yes, it's annoying. And yes, it's unfortunate that all the games that we've dropped points in or lost or drawn have come in a sort of clump, but it does sort of feel like it's averaged out to about where this team is, which is very, very good, but with some obvious and less obvious flaws, both across players and management. So I I want to interject real fast and I want to kind of bring back something that we're all pretty familiar with. Um, old age jokes aside, you guys should still be of age to remember Leicester City's title win. And a lot of the talk around why they won the title is because no one else performed to their standard level that season. If you look at the points totals on another average year, Leicester maybe finished second, third, or fourth rather than going on to win. But even we didn't perform to our maximum for the whole kind of duration of the season. I think what kind of what Ben just said makes a lot of sense because it's it's really hard like excruciatingly hard to hold the highest possible performance standards across an entire season. It doesn't matter what league you're in. It could be Premier League, it could be, you know, the Jupiler Pro League investments. It doesn't really matter what it is. It's very, very difficult. It's becomes immeasurably more difficult when you're, you have a young side. This would have been the youngest side to ever win the Premier League in the Premier League era because I think our squad average age of players we used this season was 24.4 years old. The youngest before that was Chelsea under Mourinho, uh, his first league title. They were 25. No other side beyond that was younger than, I think, 20s. I think it was 26.7 years old, almost 27 years old. Experience matters. And I think, you know, and what kind of what Ben just said, you know, I, I, I disagree with 99.9% of what Gary Neville says at any given point at any point in the season. But I do think what he and some others have alluded to before, Jimmy Carragher as well, is that experience in title races does matter, or just in, like just general football experience does matter. And while 
players like Martinelli and Saka and and Odegaard and and the like have done really well this year, it's it's a different mentality you have to be able to tap into when you're leading a title race and when you're under pressure and when you're in an unexpected position. And then it's not you have to keep your standards up. You have to you have to help for hope. Uh, it's a hope for help from elsewhere, and that is also part of it. You can't rely on a winning league based off how the people perform, but that is also part of it. So, and yeah, I, I mean, I kind of agree with Ben. Where if you look at when the recent slides started to happen, you could just kind of see it. Like I think this, I think it might be done now. And that's not because they're bad players. It's just because of how difficult it is to keep to that level. We overperformed up to up to a certain point this season. I think we can all kind of agree there. And things like what our expected goals were and everything like that kind of showed that we were overperforming. And I think in in some ex- extent you do have to overperform to win the league, particularly in the Premier League. But I think we were well ahead of where we where we actually kind of currently are in our in our iteration. I think that's why all of us were happy to to finish fourth this season, maybe third at, at a push. No one expected us to be leading in the race for two and almost two hundred fifty days. You know, having the second highest goal difference. You know, second among the goals. Like none of us saw that coming, and and that's why I struggle with the whole bottle narrative. And I know you, you tweeted earlier that you do think we bottled the kind of the tail end of the season. And I don't know if I would call it bottling. I just think we hit a wall that we just didn't hit previously because we just ex- we just extended our run of form and, and we hit that wall even maybe we were seen in another season. You know, do you know what I'm saying? So it's it's yeah. it's really it's really tricky. I just kind of feel like mm, we can be disappointed that we didn't sustain that form, but I think on the strength of it, if you were to ask me before our ball was kicked this season, if we if we led the league for 250 days, we ended up second. Would I be happy with that? I would say, of course, because that that would have given us our goal, which is Champions League, and would have shown that we also maybe were a bit better than we assumed, and how closer we are to actually maybe challenging for a title. I would have taken that all day long. And I know hindsight's a wonderful thing, but it's really hard to look at the season and actually be as as furious as some of these fans are that i think is a bit much and that might just be overreaction based off of emotions it might just be um you know poorly pointed frustration on, on you know as people tend to be on social media but yeah i think overall it's really hard to be upset right now. i'm, I'm upset about the result today because i think we should be being forced no matter what our form is um but overall i think the season's a massive success but it also shows where we need to improve and how and the level of quality we need and depth to actually sustain ourselves across the season, especially when you do involve Champions League, because there's no doubt in my mind that Saka is spent physically. Like, he's been so heavily relied on this season, a lot of other players as well. When you can have that kind of rotation and not have that drop in performance in terms of quality, that actually matters. And that's why City can do what they do. And obviously, we'll go into how they got to that point. But the fact is that they're there, and that's how they achieve it. So that's kind of what we need to get to get to. Yeah, no, I... I... To a certain extent, right, I do agree with you. I think there's two sides to the coin. I think there there can be the optimistic side and also, I don't want to call it the realist side because it's opinion-based, but I just think there's two sides to the coin and one coin is is very happy and it's that we've completely overachieved in terms of our league placement this season. For the first half of the season, we were unbelievable. And as I said before, it's understandable that we come down from that level to a certain extent. And then I think you turn the coin over and it's probably also fair to say in this kind of point from maybe like, maybe not March onwards, but even like a bit closer to that, maybe like April onwards, we just haven't, even by our previous standards, that's not really, that we haven't been good enough to, to drop points against teams we've dropped points at. It just isn't good enough. Like the, the draw at, at Anfield, 
you know, Ben said that could have been the point that lost the title. That could be true. If we lose the title there, right? If if we make if we if we draw there and pick up the majority of our points for the rest of the season that, that you'd expect us to do as even Arsenal top four contender, not Arsenal title contender against, you know, the likes of West Ham, Forest, um, Southampton, etc. Then you'd say, fair enough. Like, you know, we've we've done all we can. Um uh, and in the end, City got another 90 plus point season, which is what they're likely to get. But I just think that it's not that we lost that, in my opinion, means that we bottled it. it. It's just how we lost. It's just that we put ourselves in a position that you're absolutely right in saying we were performing to a level that was probably over what our realistic level was. We were, we were shooting beyond the stars at that point. And, you know, as I said a few times, the fact that that levels out is understandable, but this is the fact that it's really come down. And the thing that worries me about it is you mentioned Saka's minutes, but Saka's minutes are comparable to like Gundogan's minutes over the course of a full season. They're comparable to Haaland's minutes over the course of a full season. Saka's minutes aren't going to go down. So while, yeah, we do definitely need more, like we need a lot more kind of depth, quality depth for, for these types of players. Like the, the problem for Saka was longstanding. We should have, got a, a more comparable depth for Saka um, at the start of the season but it doesn't take away from the fact that next season with Champions League with the fact we're going to hope to go further in cups I don't think Saka's minutes are going to go down if anything they're probably going to go up by a short like short amount so it does scare me that we get to this point of the season and same as last season where we had no European football at all it just feels like we've burnt out it's the but, second successive season that it just feels like we've burnt out do you not, do you not think that Saka's minutes, uh, like they're okay to go up, provided they, you know, it's across the course of a, a season. Because he's been playing burnout for like the last six weeks, maybe five weeks. So it's not so much the number of minutes; it's the concentration of minutes he has. He should be like he hasn't been able to come off like sixty Correct. minutes with us three 0 up or you know two 0 up and coasting because we tend to always shoot ourselves in the foot. You know we always concede at home for instance all of a sudden it's 2-1 or it's 3-1 it's a jeopardy you need Saka on the pitch and he's the only well he's sort of he's a bit like Anthony for United in that he's um excellent at just holding on to the ball getting his side up the pitch you know um so I think that you're right we, we definitely need a, a backup for him or an alternative but I think that once his minutes become spread out more you know he's not playing 90 minutes every week He's not coming up a three 0 up against Leeds, having been ill. He's not coming out on for that game. I still don't know why that happened, but it did. Um, <laughs> like we, as long as we manage his minutes, it won't. He shouldn't burn out in the same way that he's burned out this season. Yes, he might still play three and a half thousand minutes, but he might play them across fifty games rather than thirty eight or whatever. And you know, all of a sudden, he's playing fewer minutes. He's got a bit more recovery time. He's not always playing on. Because let's be honest, he gets kicked from pillar to post. He's probably playing on small injuries quite regularly. Um, so yeah, I think I agree that we like he's not his minutes aren't going to go down. But I think managing his minutes at the level they're at is much more important than maybe dropping his minutes. I, I think it's I think it's also a lot of minutes to expect a twenty-one year old to not hit a bad patch of form. You know what I mean? So. He played 36 matches this season so far, not including if he starts on the last day, and he's had over 3,000 Premier League minutes. Gundogan has only had 2,200 in 30 starts. That's already 800 less minutes. It's already almost nine. I'm sorry, sorry. It's already almost 10, 10 fewer matches played just based off of minutes. 
Um, Gundogan obviously has played more in Champions League, but even if you add his Champions League minutes and you add Saka's Europa League minutes, Saka still played more. He's played more games and more minutes. Only than just though. Yeah, but that's still a lot to ask from a 21-year-old is kind of what I'm saying. It doesn't matter how good a 21-year-old is. Saka is not Lionel Messi. And yeah, I, I don't think that twenty-one-year-old uh, has got more legs than like a thirty-two-year-old midfielder. It's, though. it's not about it's not about fitness. It's just about wear and tear matters. Do you know what I mean? Like, of course, just because of you might be younger and younger and fitter, which you, obviously you would expect from someone like Saka, you players still need the requisite amount of recovery time and rest. And I agree with Ben. I think when when you add the fact that he's getting physically mauled week in week out, which to no fault of the other teams. Uh, you know, directors, that's, you're allowed to go in hard against other teams' key players. And uh, same thing again, we're, we're not beating teams 4 or 5 nil regularly enough to bring him off at, say, halftime. Good doings come off pretty often before completing 90 minutes. And that kind of matters. And when Pep didn't constantly rotate his team this season, he's kind of gone with that, that core 18, so to speak. He's rarely changed his 11 massively but he will still bring players off within 60 minutes, 65 minutes. And that way he can still count them the next day, but getting them that 30 minutes rest really does matter in recovery time. Whereas again, that kind of, that Saka has been playing 90 minutes a lot of times where he hasn't had to, or he's come on when he shouldn't have had, and he could have just dealt with a full day of rest. Like all these things kind of add up over time. So it's not about if his body can physically handle it. It's just more of like being able to, to keep form isn't just about if your body can help you keep form, it's about if you can mentally keep that form too. And sometimes getting that break matters. That's why we don't work seven days a week as humans. Like we need that that we need to come that come down time to be able to refresh ourselves, to be able to deal with what we have to deal with the next week. It's so different from a footballer. So for me it's kind of why I think you know, a lot of people are saying like what are we gonna do in the summer? I think we actually do really, really need a player that can actually compete for minutes with Saka, not because I don't think he should be starting, but because we can bring on someone we know we can trust so he's not forced in his positions moving forward. And it's gonna matter most even when we have Champions League to contend with. Like I I don't wanna to stay too much on this point. My my only pushback to you on this would be like using Gundogan as as an example, he played seven games um across April. And he had he played ninety minutes in five of those games, and then he's played um, uh, four games so far this month. When he's played ninety minutes in two of them, and the other two have been seventy eight minutes and seventy nine minutes. So I completely understand that you know Saka's a young guy. Um, he is playing a lot of minutes. I'm not sure if I really accept the the condensation of minutes, only because we haven't like he, I say he's only played four hundred minutes in Europe this season, and um, not all of those have been starts. And we went out of Europe quite early in relation to where we'd expected to have gone. And I think since the point we went out of Europe, we've only played one midweek game. So he's had a week's rest pretty much like throughout the rest of the season. So yeah, 100% we need to get more more cover for him. He can't be playing every single game. But I do think that it doesn't get easier from this. We like When we're in the Champions League and we're further in FA Cup and we're probably further in the League Cup, as we're going to expire to do, because we're going to want to win trophies... Saka is going to be playing the equivalent of of um of the the likes we're seeing at Man City, which I think is probably like a bit more of a wear and tear than it is to play ninety minutes once a week. But you know, like I, I completely understand you guys' points. I don't disagree with you. I think the one thing I would say is that when you have experience like Gundogan does, you know how to manage the minutes you're playing. It's very rare that we look at Saka and see him not going full out for however long he's playing. Gundogan, if you watch him, he knows how to manage. How, how he's performing and moving about the pitch in those minutes. He knows how to give his body those temporary seconds or minutes on the pitch where he can then go 
give another quick burst. Saka is always just constant, constant burst, constant burst, constant. He's an explosive player. That's kind of what happens, right? So they're more likely picking up maybe face burnout a bit faster than that. That's kind of the only thing I would say, just based off of like a combined standpoint. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 but I get what you're saying. Like, it's not going to get any easier. I agree with you. I think Saka's going to probably play more next season, just from a minute standpoint. But it's just something that you know has kind of to contend with and deal with, I guess. I think this kind of brings us on to next season. It's just a case of. I think it's quite important now that we we kind of take what we've done this season, which is great, like second place finish, pushing City the majority of the season. Like, not just like, it's not like we've scraped second place as, as well. We've really kind of cemented second place. It's been kind of in our hands and, and in our grasp for a long time now. So it'd be, I find it just be sad for us if we were to not win on the last day of the season at home and... And then we kind of get to a point where we we kind of come out of an amazing season with if what feels like no momentum. Um, ben, how in in terms of how the season ends, if we were to let's say lose the last game, um, what do you think the mentality has to be over over the summer to try and get these players kind of just click back in for the next season? I think you have to be ruthless. Um, I I I don't buy into this whole like. Um end one season well and it'll roll into the next season like we didn't end last season particularly well you know we lost four what was it four games out of five or something um mm. and look what happened this season you know it's, it's about to coin a phrase that we've heard a lot this season it's about every game as it comes and you know we'll have pre-season and we'll have uh time where we strengthen and those ideas will become stronger the ones that our debt wants to implement so i don't buy into the whole you need to finish this season with a win to bring it into next season and all that. Um, but I do think it will be, if if we lose to Wolves, I think it will further underline what we already know, which is that this this is a squad that is good enough for the top four when we need a squad that's good enough for the title. And because we've got there so quickly, we need to be ruthless this summer. You know, we saw Smith Rowe didn't make it off the bench today. Um, Kieran Tierney came on for, uh, what, 60 minutes or something. Um, and didn't look great. Um, you know, we've got lots of players in and around the squad that you think, if you're being ruthless, probably shouldn't be here to spearhead a title charge, you know, or to, to play a big part in it. Maybe they could play 10 games, 15 games, but, you know, you've got a lot of players in this squad where you look at, even even like Tommy Asu, who can't be reliable to stay fit, you know. You've got yeah. all these are tough decisions that have got to be made. Eddie and Ketia, is he going to be good enough to come on for 20 minutes every game and, you know, start one in five and come up with the goods in the same way that Alvarez has been for Man City? These are the questions, these, these are the tough questions you've got to ask, and we don't necessarily have the answers for them, but they're something that Mikel Arteta and Edu and the staff have got to evaluate and try and work out where they can A, raise funds because we're probably going to spend a lot this summer again. You know, this is a. We've we've accidentally fast tracked ourselves to um to ex- the expectations next season is that we challenge for the title and then we challenge you know we have a decent run in the FA Cup and we have a decent run in the Carabao Cup and you know decent enough run in the Champions League you know we might get a horrible group we might end up in pot th- well we look like we're likely to end up in pot three with Leipzig winning um so yeah it's it's going to be a, a situation whereby Mikel Arteta will probably say I've got. 12, 13 guys that I would stake my life on, and they're probably the starting 11 plus, um, yeah, plus Trossard and plus, um, plus Jorginho, I guess. And then you say mm-hmm. the others, 
that's where decisions have to be made. Are they good enough to play the roles we not, not even good enough? Like, are they good enough to play the roles we want them to play in this side? Like, there's no doubting that Tierney's a good player, but is he going to play an inverted fullback to a high level? Uh, probably not. Is he worth a decent amount of money? Should we wish to cash in on him? Probably. So that you know, you've got to weigh up those decisions, and I think we'll see a lot of players that maybe we like or the Arsenal fans don't think should be sold being sold this summer just because of a just because of the way that we're trying to trim this squad into making it that 17 18 man squad that Man City have. Yeah, I think a lot of this is as you say big decisions really like tough decisions to be made. In the sense of top 4, a lot of these guys you could say, "Oh, it's just a stick around, he's a good player." But yeah, I completely agree with you in the sense that if you really want to compete at the top and you really want to challenge what is kind of this freak behemoth that is City, then the margins just become so fine. And we've really discovered that over the kind of the last bit of the season when we've just seen City almost kind of go on a rampage and at one point just hit form and do what they've done in previous seasons and just win, 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 blah, 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 and just bulldoze their way through to the to first place and to, to another title. One thing I did find a bit strange today is a lot of the season I've thought that Tini isn't the right guy because as you say, the inverted wing-back role. But today, we were playing a more traditional left-back role and Tini didn't get the nod, which I found really strange. Um, so, Drew, in, in, in thinking about... You said earlier that today wasn't really the time to experiment. So, in that kind of way, what kind of team do you think we should be looking at to put out against Wolves in, in the sense that would you try and omit the players that aren't going to be here next season... Would you try and try something that maybe Arteta wants to be kind of starting doing in preseason in terms of like a tactical evolution? Or would you almost just try and go for the win just so that we can end the season on a bit more of a high? I mean, personally, I'd rather just go for the win. And I kind of also agree with that. I don't think you have to win the last match of the season to start well the next season. I don't the two are so far removed from one another, they don't need to rely on each other. So I don't agree with that. But it would just be nice to go out and just, you know, we're going to be at home. Um, it's going to be uh, Jacka's last match at, at Arsenal with a likelihood. Um, yeah, I think we, I think you go out, you play your strongest life, and, and you go out and try to put, give the fans kind of a nice send off for what was, you know, overall a really wonderful, unexpected season that had a lot of us dreaming of a Premier League title for a while. So I think, I think, I, I would say to owes us that. I don't, I don't think that's my place to say that, but I do think that's what I would prefer to see. I would prefer to see the strongest team go out and go out and win in comfortable style, you know, and, and, and give a nice performance to end the season, you know, because we have the, the opportunity to do it at home. So, uh, and I don't think beginning to experiment now matters. Again, same thing. Like, you, you have all, you know, the entire summer, you've got all of preseason to do your experimenting. It's not going to matter if we experiment in the last match of the season or not, for me personally. Um, but I agree with you. Uh, and then I do think that if he does revert back to um, kind of our normal way of operating on a tactics board, who starts in that, as long as there's not any weird changes like we saw today, who starts, I do think, gives us somewhat of an indicator that they'll be here next season, So, or that he wants to try to keep them here next season. So, so for Tina, as an example, if you see him not starting, again, I, I do think that his time is done. I, did, I don't think any of us expected QBR to play left back today, whether if it was in a traditional role or an inverted role, didn't really matter. I, I don't think any of us saw that coming. Um, or same thing with like Partey right back. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just I was just prefer to end the season on that. I, I think maybe we can all agree with that. 
no matter how we get to it, I just, yeah, I, I, that's what I would prefer. Yeah, I think it would just be <laughs> a bit, just a bit of a shame to to finish this season without that kind of win, especially when you talk about Xhaka, because, you know, we, we did our kind of off-the-cuff reaction uh, pods to Xhaka, where we gave him a lot of love, and I think he's going to get loads of love in that last home game, whether it's announced or not. I think the the feeling in the, is the fan base is that we, we kind of know, and you could hear that anyway, fans, today. I think quite early on in the game, uh, the fans were singing the Xhaka song, so I think that it's almost kind of one of football's worst-kept secrets that he's probably going to be playing his last home game. And I think we want to avoid what maybe we can have a bit of a laugh about today is that Harry Kane has possibly played his last home game for Spurs, which ended up in a 3-1 loss to Brentford's, went back into the locker room and then um, had to come back out to accept awards in front of maybe like 10% of the crowd that stayed around. And apparently, from what I'm seeing on Twitter, um, there were some people that stayed around to try and like sing for him and stuff. But there were so many Levy out chants, they just turned the music up on the PA so they couldn't hear the, the crowd through, so they weren't even able to do that. Um. <laughs> yeah, it always makes me happy so, to know. think um, whenever we lose it, we could be worse, we could be Spurs. Um, yeah. You know, they were what, 1 0 up. But it was actually a really good first half from them, and then they just threw it away. They were decent. They were yeah, decent. it was very strange, actually. It, it felt like a, a, a microcosm of Harry Kane's career. You know, he does an um, unbelievable goal. Um, and then his teammates let him down and he walks away with nothing. I think that's one to be, I mean, obviously don't want to really <laughs> turn this into like um, uh, what Spurs need to do to improve thing. But I do think that's maybe something that is a thing with Harry Kane is that because Harry Kane is so good, he's never going to be blamed for these performances because he's really, really good. And that's probably quite fair. But I think there's probably quite a lot of Spurs players that look at Harry Kane in that sense and feel like, Oh god, I can't can't be asked the fucking they're a special one just like standing there scoring goals and I'm the one getting shit on by all the fans and the and the press and that and you're kind of god's gift to everything. Um so I do wonder like how yeah, yeah. as good as he is, how 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 you know Spurs yeah. teammates kind of react to that. The teammates are probably like please just leave us in mid table where we belong. Stop trying to bring us into the top <laughs> yeah. 4. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just so going back to Jacko, I just like It'd be great if we could just get the win against Wolves. We can sign away this season where we finished second, kind of, kind of like last season where obviously the end season was, was not really what we wanted, but we kind of got a really nice uh, win against Everton on the last day. Um, I know the crowd are going to be really well in the sense of like supporting the team the whole way through, regardless of the last few results. And and then we can kind of send them off with like good good vibes before they kind of come back and, and you know we go again. So... I just think that's something that's quite important. Um, but to be fair, I think that's probably a good place to leave it. Um, uh, it it's, it's hard to contextualise games like this because obviously it's it's not often that you talk about a game that you've lost the title in. So, um, I mean, mathematically lost the title in. But I think that at the end of the day, it has been a fantastic season. We go into the, the last week with you know the possibility to finish on 84 points if we win, which, you know, as, as you were saying earlier, you offer that to us at the start of the season and, and every Arsenal fan is biting your hand off. Um, but you know it's, it's fair to criticise as well. We have to improve, and like Ben was saying, we have to make really, really big, tough decisions in the summer. So if you have been listening to this and you are um, a part of our circle of misery, thank you so much for for listening this far. This has been the Bruce Banana FC podcast reviewing um, the match against Nottingham Forest. Um, I'm joined by Drew. You can find Drew on Twitter at Mitskid Remix, and also Ben. You can find it Ben Brown and Free. Um, 
this has been me, which is Luke, and you can find us all on Twitter. If you find us on, on Bruise Nine FC, we're going to be doing so many more of these, and we're going to be doing a lot through preseason as well. So please, please uh, keep connected, and uh, thanks very much. See you later. Erdegaard is joining in, and he's seen Martinelli! Extraordinary! Set it for Saliba! For Kyle Saka, beaten out by the race, and touched in by Jesus! Kyle Saka! Oh, my God.